In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 327. That's right. We are talking Green Lanterns number 48 and 49, entitled Rebel Run. Woohoo! Uh, Mark is, yeah. Mark is taking number 48. I'm taking <laughs> number 49. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from here. <laughs> this otherwise known as the Countdown to Dan Jurgens. <laughs> I mean, this is not a bad story. No, uh, it's, it's not. Just like, it's just like it's it's a two issue sort of fill. In. It has nothing to do with what's coming up. I mean, it kind of does, I guess. But uh, you know, and it's not Dan Jurgen, so it's not like we're getting a taste for what this new writer is going to be like. So it's just sort of a inconsequential story, but not a bad story. I, I mean, I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself in no, the review part of this, but I don't that's essentially my take on this. It's inconsequential, but it's not bad. I don't necessarily think that it, your your commentary is you know either out of line or jumping the gun because in all honesty that's kind of like the I think we, the way we felt about the Sealy run for the most part too that it was that pretty much sums up the Sealy run it's like the the stories weren't bad but it is relatively inconsequential and probably and mostly forgettable and the odds of us remembering a whole lot of it. Or being referenced down the road probably is is probably remote. The odds are remote. So uh, I find it interesting, though, just as a quick, as there can be an aside before we even started talking about the main topic, that I was a little concerned reading like a, an interview with Jurgens when he kind of was relatively non-committal about how long he was going to be on this book. <laughs> mm, I didn't see that interview. Yeah, I have to see if I can. I've, it may have been Newsarama. I'll have to see if I can dig it up for you just to show. But th- but he just the way he was dodging the question about whether he was going to – now, that could just simply be because maybe this th- he knows that this title being can being shit-canned soon. And that doesn't mean he's not going to still be writing a Green Lantern book, but he just knows this book. And it's, he, he is answering the question literally uh, so that – but it's the mere fact that it wasn't the, the natural response or – he wasn't, putting the term, he wasn't being Clinton-esque and trying to parse his words to say, uh, oh, I'm not directly answering the question asked, but giving an answer which was technically true by saying, oh, yeah, I expect to be, uh, oh, I'm going to be writing, I'm going to be writing, you know, a Green Lantern book for a while, don't worry. You know, something like that where technically you are answering the question, but when you really look at what was said, that really didn't, that may be implying something different. That concerned me a little because if Dan Jurgens is only going to be on the book for, like, only going to be writing a, a Green Lantern book for, like, like eight issues or something, and then he's gone. That's going to be kind of disappointing. Uh, but, 
But yeah, I'll try yeah. to dig. I'll try to dig that up. I read that. I think it was last week. I read that before since last week was what when Fifty came out. That and, and that was that was kind of my reaction. It's like, oh, that's not exactly what I would have preferred to hear, you know. So yeah. All right. Well, you've got the first issue, so you want to uh, go ahead and launch into this. I will launch into Rebel Run Part One. Aaron Gillespie is the writer, running Clickhead artist, Wi-Fi colorist, Dave Sharp letterer, Pelletier and Miki Lucas did the cover. What is that? Low Love. I think so. Started the, telling the digital. Yeah, it, it looks like I think it's just low. It just spelled. It's just spelled with a U W. Did the variant cover, which I have, which obviously the variant cover was 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 done so far in advance. They still have Tim Seeley's name on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, our, uh, Andrew Marino and Brian Cunningham remain the the editors at large. So we kind of we begin with kind of an odd. This is kind of an odd way to begin this this little story here because we have Jessica basically talking about how giving us all a quote unquote fun fact about you know how she doesn't drink and she means like literally she's never had a drink in her life and part of the reason why is because of everything she's learned about seen and learned about drinking when you basically have some of the some of the issues let's just say that she has you know that it becomes it's not. It does, no pun intended. It doesn't mix well as a coping as a coping mechanism, and and what it leads to. It usually just basically leads to addiction and or making the problems worse. So she kind of she kind of gives us as a preamble, and a preamble, and she goes, you know, it's like, a, so what was supposed to be a social lubricant was actually a slow acting poison. A whole new list of uncontrollable things to worry about. Those score, stories scared me straight. But even though I've never touched the stuff. It's like now, I, now I know what the next morning feels like, and we see the reason she's saying this is because we are in space sector two nine one zero, the planet Azrad, and basically she is being she's being chained chained with a Green Lantern energy construct wrapped in chains, and Jessica Cruz, by the authority of the Green Lantern Corps, I place you under arrest. I kind I kind of like this I kind of like this Green Lantern guy. He's kind of. <laughs> It kind of reminds me a little of the guy in Core, the guy who supposedly turned bad in that uh, Future's End issue. Different oh color. yeah, I think it's a different color. The, I think, the mute he, dude or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah, the guy who lost. Yeah, their 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 big they're, that species big thing was their voice, and he kind of and he kind of lost his, or he was his voice was damaged. That that's that's what he facially and stature wise, that's what he kind of reminded me of. Um, so Je- Jessica tries to talk, you know, tries to talk this guy Tig. We find out his name is Tig. She tries to talk him. Basically, I like do this. I, this part I have to admit, I do like the fact that she kind of plays, that she analyzes this guy. She sizes him up, no pun intended, pretty quickly, and she kind of realizes that uh, yeah, the, <laughs> that this guy is quote unquote a pleaser, which probably is all. I guess maybe Jessica's years of being in therapy come in ha- and come in handy too, uh, that she's able to analyze this guy pretty quickly and figures that she can essentially you know manipulate him into getting maybe a little bit more information. That she, so she knows what the hell's going on, but also to be able to plan an escape, especially once he mentions that Hal Jordan is involved, and she goes, "Well, there's no way I'm getting away from Hal, so I better really try to concentrate a lot on getting away from this dude." So you know, so, so essentially, we we kind of find out that she's being arrested because of assaulting officers of the peace and destroying an entire city block to begin with, and there's and there's a whole lot more that you know that they're going to be other charges she'll find out about later, and then more or less. 
we find out that it's you know it's the guardians more or less like using that term again the guardians are the ones that want her brought in she plays the card that you know you you, you, you have to you know you have to know that the countless examples of the ring being corrupted and everything else and you know Hal really likes people that uh don't basically don't waste time you know don't waste the core's time and if you kind of like you get to the bottom of this yourself as a go-getter you'll really impress Hal and the guy's like oh would you put in a would you put in a good word with John Stewart for me all the stuff Jessica basically just plays just plays head games with him I like the way she fools him with a fake duplicate ring construct that he thinks it's really her ring, and that basically that's enough time for Jessica to uh, really use her ring to, to escape. And I, I kind of didn't like the fact when she kind of said, "Well, you know, it's like it's like, oh, I, I'm sorry about the crap storm you're gonna have to deal with because of Hal. The crap storm she kind of just forced upon him. That was that was kind of shitty, but <laughs> clever, but kind of shitty. So Jess, Jessica escapes. You know, she flies off in, into space, and then she's kind of like, uh, she. We kind of get a little bit of a flashback about uh, how she was interacting with, but uh, a Campo Tormen, and you know, and looking for the clues of, of what exactly is going on here, why the you know why the core is after her, yada yada, which kind of leads to kind of leads to Jessica, you know, a little bit of a, a flashback with Jessica and everything else, and how Jessica in a in a in a mo- you know in a moment when when, when security basically shoots at her. When she's dealing with this guy, that she just kind of freaks out. It's like you're firing at me. How dare you? I'll kill you all. And then, so, uh, well, so she kind of figures out. Then you know, she just, she, you know, she just fell into, you know, she kind of like fell into blackout rage. But she couldn't, you know, she's trying to figure out, trying to figure out, you know, what the cause was and everything else. But so she goes, she goes deep, 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 deep undercover. <laughs> Not really. She goes back to the planet Ungara. And we and she deals back with we you know with Anthene, who we saw back in the uh, what was the name of that arc? Do you remember, uh, do you remember what the name of the arc was? With no, the, I don't. With, it was with, it was with, with, the, with the pod with the pod father, a pod yeah, father, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so she goes she goes to basically go visit visit Anthene and uh, and Laseth. Uh, more or less, she wants to. Uh, She's trying to kind of like lay low and kind of hang out with them in the meantime while she's trying to find out the you know the answers to uh, what's going on. I like the way she bonds with the alien cat. That's kind of cool. Obviously, <laughs> she's a, she she gravitates towards cats and cats to her. So she's she's a cat person whether they're interna- international, intergalactic, it doesn't matter. She's a cat person. So are you. So you have a special place yeah, for her. Yeah, I can. Huh? I can. I, I. It's a. It warms the cockles of my heart, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Were you at a risk of trying to get that word out of your mouth? <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I used the right word, but not in the way you were thinking. Mr. <laughs> keep your robe tied very tight, and let's just move on. Because um, they're, they're, uh, they're kind of having coffee as they're discussing all this, and and at this and at this point, uh, shortly shortly thereafter, after uh, Anthene goes back to bed, Hal, Kilowog, and Arisia show up, and it's like, hey, evening, Anthene, it's been a long time, it's like, I uh, hope retirement's treating you well, and then she's kind of like, well, you know, we're kind of looking for, you know, somebody you know pretty well, and she, Hal flashes, like, <laughs> like not quite, but almost like a, a most wanted poster of Jessica Cruz, <laughs> uh, they find, they find the, they detect Jessica's ring signature, and I like I do like this part. How how goes in looking for it? 
and we kind of find uh, we find the Je- the Jessica, which is Jessica has kind of given up her ring and she put it on <laughs> on the collar of uh, <laughs> of, of Anthene's cat. <laughs> I like the way. It's, so this must be the Green Lantern version of of Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I kind of like that. It's kind of weird. I mean, in a way, I guess it makes sense if Jessica's trying to uh, be on the down low and not get caught. It would really make sense, unfortunately, that she would have to give up her – she would choose to give up her Green Lantern ring so she couldn't be tracked as as steadily. Uh, Jessica ends up back – she's back – ends up in what, Space Sector 2814 on the Odyssey Warp Station. So you know, she's trying you – know, more or less, she's trying – you know, she's trying to find – she's continuing her quest to deal with uh, – to deal with a campo there, uh, so she contacts him. She go, she gets, she, she goes, she goes to meet him. Uh, she she gets detected by security, and you know they they, they recognize her for who who she is, and they send send a beacon to the Green Lantern Corps. You know she, so she's she's running she's running through the city, and this that and the other thing. She finally she has her first drink, which I guess is kind of a a, a weird segue based on where we were to, to begin with. I guess maybe that was the whole point of. Uh, of mentioning one of the points of mentioning that as she's at this now she's in space sector 2712 uh and this uh, moss icely like bar she meets a campo and they're talking about it. it's like you remember the deal right you're not going to screw me over and it's like here i got everything you're looking for right here and then all of a sudden you know he looks up in the sky and he runs and he runs away and it's like it's like a campo what and it's like this has gone on long enough jess it's like i'm here to put a stop to it and simon shows up Next, Simon versus the Green Lantern Corps. I mean, Jessica versus the Green Lantern Corps. That was Freudian. That was Freudian that I wanted it to be Simon versus the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> do we? Uh, well, I think that's coming up. Uh, do we? Do we want to uh, break it down now, or should I launch into mine and we'll talk about it as an arc? Let's talk. I mean, I was leaning towards talking about it as an arc, but if you want to, say, okay, first, okay, well, that's fine. Cool. All right, so number forty-nine, uh, we pick up where we left off. Simon launches into Jessica, knocking her through the pier and down into the water, keeping her in a construct bubble with him. He's saying, what the hell's wrong with you? When are you going to learn? I'm your partner. I've always got your back. And that's when she's like, I don't want to bring you down with me. You're a good lantern. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. And he's essentially like, well, hello, falsely accused of terrorism over here. I'm custom built to believe you. Um she says, uh, he says, this is bigger than uh, what's going on, what you discovered so far. How was gunning for you before that went down? He won't say much, but he's got or he's on order straight from the Guardians. And she's like, I don't have time to deal with that right now. I am dealing with this thing already. So elsewhere, uh, Acampo is looking for some uh, safety uh, on uh, AGX, AGX, whatever. Um, and he runs into Cracks, who lets him in. <laughs> yeah. Say no to Cracks. <laughs> uh, who lets him in, provides him. He's like, hey, I hope you didn't bring any trouble to my door. And wouldn't you know it, that's when uh, Simon and Jessica show up. Uh, she says, you know, you, you you don't have to, you don't have to really get rough with uh, a campo, but this other guy, go ahead, lay him out. Um, so she's trying to talk to a campo, explain, get, get a handle on what's going on. Um, you said everything I need to know is on the data file that's in your pocket. Let's start there. He says, we'll have a new arrangement. Uh, I walk out of here and don't look back and you take your partner and dangle. 
uh, as she's trying, she says, uh, there's someone after you. They must be Bad Mama Jemis. Shout out to the band, by the way, Bad Mama Jemis. They do our, they do our theme song. Every, every episode when you hear our, our theme song intro, that's the Bad Mama Jemis. Um, <laughs> it must be Bad Mama Jemis because you show all the signs of, uh, adrenal fatigue brought on by stress. As cringy as it sounds, we need each other. Uh, this is when, as Simon's fighting cracks, Hal pops in on the ring comms and says, hey, I'm picking up a lot of energy expenditure from you. Uh, Simon thinks quick and says, yeah, it's just a local bar fight. You know, some some drunk was trying to, you know, show off to the biggest guy in the bar. You know how it is. And Hal's like, yeah, check in with me later. This causes Simon to go dark and they follow a campo on his ship. And a campo explains the situation, which I'll read here. Forgive me. He says, uh, Ever since I dropped out of school, I worked for a guy named o- Obazia Vasir. I'm just going to call him Vasir. Vasir. Yeah, H. Okay. Um, and he says, you probably saw his commercials on the Alwi for his Pleasure Planet in Sector uh, 2718. I was one of uh, Vasir's runners. Got the guests whatever they needed. Um, he owns a planet a few weeks ago. I found out the real way this year was pulling in all the earnings. Gun smuggling. He's been selling to armies and mercenary groups across the galaxy since before I was born. All my life, um, I just wanted what's mine. I wasn't trying to be that level of a scumbag. See that blueprint there? That's the transmitter. Uh, that's a transmitter turns anyone near it into radi- raging murder mo- machines. He was going to start wars around the galaxy, get rich off of supplying all sides. I uploaded the files onto this data disk, was planning on selling it to the press, but uh, the Vashir found out. He pulled some strings to put a warrant on me, full of made-up charges, bad enough to get the greenies involved. Once he flushed me out, Dirty Cop showed up, had prototype guns that could shoot this rage beam. They were supposed to hit me with it, so they'd have a good reason to kill me, silencing me and keeping Vashir's hands clean, and Jessica got in the way. So that's why she went all nuts. Um, they're going down to this pleasure planet. They're going to try and take him down. Uh, Acampo walks up on him as he's sunning himself on one of his resorts, and he tries to entrap him, but obviously he stutters and stumbles, and he can't do that. So he bails, and that's when uh, Simon and Jessica show up. Uh, Simon says, uh, you're under arrest, and this is when Vashir says, you know, I may be off the mark, but your power rings give you the ability to fly, but you came here in a ship, um, <laughs> and you could have had me in green irons the minute you touched down. Uh, you would need scores of officers to conduct an investigation into a criminal organization as massive as you're describing, and yet it's just you, a powerless green lantern accompanied by a wanted criminal and scared little turncoat lantern girl uh he says this is none of this is none of this making sense he calls his guards they get in a fight they get shocked they're down that's when vashir tells them to stand down real quick because he has a, a capo he has the data disc he crunches it uh and he says um you know say the word and i will let you and your partner walk away I will advocate on your behalf to your superiors. I am confident I can persuade them to forget this whole ordeal happened, or you can continue down your current path, hunted by those you vowed to serve. You really want to maintain this level of misery for this bottom feeder. And she says she made that decision once knowing full could destroy her life. It should be really damn obvious I'll answer this time. Simon, light him up. And that's when 
He hits the gun out of the shear's hand with a construct Mjolnir. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> You're not worthy, Simon Baz. <laughs> uh, cages uh, Vashir up uh, and takes out the guns of the guards. Uh, Acampo runs away, uh, uh, according to Jessica's instructions. Uh, Simon yells, now whose turn is it to stand down? And that's when from the heavens you hear yours as Hal Jordan arrives. Um, he exp- They explain the situation uh, uh, to Hal. They try to explain the situation to Hal. Uh, he puts him in irons, and all of a sudden you hear screaming and murder and kill, kill, and you know all that stuff. Hal puts up a construct wall to keep the vacationers who've suddenly gone crazy uh, in a rushing toward him. They break through these construct barriers. Uh, that's when a campo finds the device that's causing the ray, uh, smashes it. They explain the situation to Hal. Hal says, you're free to go until I can look into this. And he says, you know, Jessica says, bite me. Uh, why start investigating things now? You seem perfectly content cowboying your way around before. I'd expect someone's been in the game as long as you to be a lot uh, more woke. Uh, and he says, the Guardian sent me. There's an anomaly in your ring. She says, yeah, no kidding. I changed that ring with sheer willpower. Sound familiar? He says, tell you what, I'll try to buy you some time with the Guardians until then. Sorry, there's still cat hair on it. (laughs) 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 And he hands her her ring back. Uh, He flies off. And uh, Simon and Jessica fly up uh, into the sky. And he says, you deserve pancakes. She says, I deserve all the pancakes. And next, what is corrupting the central power battery? So other than trying to sneak modern lingo in it, which I'm sure will sound just as cheesy... (laughs) <laughs> in 20 years, as comics we read now that were published in the 70s due to us. <laughs> what like, did you think of it? It sounds... Forget, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> it was okay. Like, like I mean, in a way, in a way, you summed up the arc even before we we really delved into it. I mean, it's not it's not a bad story. It's just not... It's, it is just essentially filler to get you from the end of the Seelie run... I mean, obviously, this was the, this was basically the story Seeley was going to tell um, before. Once we knew he was gone by issue 50, this was the story that seemingly he was going to tell to begin with, which is one of the reasons why his name is still on the cover for 48. Uh, so they obviously did, they just brought in a new writer to more or less pick up the blueprint and and or just to write up the you know the treatment and the and the outline for whatever this was. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay. I mean. I I still it doesn't change my opinion about much. I like overall I like Jessica. I don't there are things about I don't there are things in this arc I don't like. I don't I mean it's like what? Like I like I touched upon. I thought it was clever the way she plays head games with uh what's his face? Tig Tig. Uh, but it also was kind of mean spirited the way she did it. Uh so it was a little you know, again, especially as they talk about you know being compassionate and everything else, like a few panels later when she's having this conversation with her power ring, that was kind of that was kind of bullshitty on some level. It's not the end of the world bullshitty. I mean, it's not like she set him up for murder or something, but she just, he's just going to get reamed, reamed yeah. out. But that I didn't like that. Yeah, the woke stuff is please. First of all, I hate that term. It's ridiculous, and to and to and to jam it into this issue and to be saying it to Hal Jordan of all people, and I. 
I, and I guess it's trying to say, oh, look, Jessica's, you know, she's really getting more confident and getting more secure because she's, because she's standing up to, because she's willing to stand up to her greatest Green Lantern champion and more or less flip him the bird. Uh, I can see the pot. I could see why people, some people would like that and why there's a positive to it. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to really drastically or permanently affect their relationship, so it doesn't concern me all that much. But it didn't do that much for me either. But uh, so that so that aspect of Jessica, I didn't. I was cool seeing Jessica. It was nice seeing Jessica function without a ring, and still kind of being relatively heroic, relatively clear thinking things like. I did like that. I thought that was cool. Uh, I. Simon is Simon, so it doesn't really change anything with Simon. Yes, we expected him to have her. We expected him to have her back. Uh, it does make you wonder again, as Hal kind of points out in your issue, that you know he should have realized that Simon was going to do exactly what he did instead of bringing her in, that he was going to more or less cover for her and try to exonerate her together as long and, and go on that path as long as they could before they had to pay the piper. Um, speaking of Hal, do you think we're uh we're we're gonna start seeing Hal be more um, I don't know loyal Aaron boy like he was in the past in the Green Lantern comics because the Guardians are back and he's always railed against the Guardians and so on and so forth but those were another group of Guardians Hal trusts Ganthet Hal trusts Sade you know like so this new group of Guardians do you think we'll see him return to more loyal Aaron boy or will he still have inherent distrust of the Guardians well because this this paints him as inherent as yes. loyal Aaron boy yeah it does uh, that's a good question I think it's really the the, the uh, cop-out answer is it really is going to depend who's writing who's writing Cal and who and what their on what their take is I would suspect it's going to be a fun it's going to be somewhere in between, but I think also that could be greatly influenced by what you know what's going to what the resolution with John Stewart being in you know with his relationship at the core going forward. Uh, it seems like short term John Stewart's not going anywhere. It seems immediately. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's I think it might be a may not literally be a case by case basis, but I think it'll. He'll be more likely to follow their lead, when, especially once they've established that the way they look at things is maybe similar to Hal's view, worldview. So I think there's an opening for Hal to be more of a loyal errand boy. Plus, I, a lot, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with John too. If John's on, if John remains leader of the core and he's on board with the with the way the Guardians are approaching things, I think John, out of respect for uh, Hal, out of respect for John, will probably be. He's not going to. Again, flip John the Bird over and over again. Even though it's not like we didn't see that in Hal and the Hal and the Core book at times, but I think, but now with the Guardians back too, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see this all play out. So that's mm-hmm. why it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the more seemingly in in, in this book going forward, since we know the, the Hal and the Core book is is only a few issues now away from wrapping up. So what's so what's ever going to happen with the Green Lantern Corps going forward, short term, is all going to uh, unfold in this book. So I think that's where we're going to kind of get an idea of the short term of that of the answer to your question of Hal's role in relationship to the Guardians. But then again, that's going to be Jurgens writing it. We don't know, you know, if it, it, you know, when when the new Green Lantern book starts, you know, assuming it still is Morrison doing it, 
maybe he's going to have a completely different take. So, yeah, and we don't know how the events of the Justice League title may interfere yeah. with the, what John's going. Which, by the way, guys, we'll talk about it a little bit, uh, not in this episode, but at some point in the future, uh, since it's such a lantern-heavy, uh, at least issue. Um, so, we'll, we'll, but not not this episode. Um, that's, I, like I, like you, I enjoyed the stuff that happened with Jessica. I enjoyed her um, her uh, tactical thinking, uh, and not just with Tig, but throughout this, she's pretty tactical. Uh, she's, you know, on the run and she's, uh, getting to, uh, you know, uh, persuading a capo about what's going, you know, like just, there's just all sorts of stuff happening here. She stands up to Hal, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things happening here where she's, you know, she's also not completely out of character. You know, when Simon shows up, she's like, I don't want to drag you into this and, you know, that sort of thing. So. She's uh she's not just taking you know all all the help she can get to in 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 that tactical mindset. Um, I I I had to bring up the question about how being the loyal guardian Aaron boy because I didn't feel like this is a really good characterization of how. No, I, uh, I I figured like you you could have him be the the guy that's following orders and hunting her down, but. Like he could be following orders, but also trying to like pull her aside away and try and figure out what's going on. You don't get the feel of any of that here. He's just hunting her down, taking the guardian's word for for broke, and just you know you know following orders to the T. Which following orders to the T in any situation does that sound like Hal Jordan? No, so, it doesn't. Um, it's but I mean it, it, Hal. I mean other than being sort of a protagonist in this like uh he's he doesn't really play much of a part so you can forgive the mischaracterization of how because in terms of him being on page that much he's not really there so no, he's not his his presence is kind of felt but he's not yeah he's like a shadow he's like a shadow just there yeah. i mean i'm kind of casting a shadow over the entire two issue arc but as actually being on the page he, he's kind of like Palpatine-esque. He's lurking in the shadows. You know, you, you know he's there. You know, you know, you know he has a role to play, but you don't actually see him on page very often. Right. Um, and again, Simon, loyal to Jessica. I mean, like, I feel like we're not. We've never learned a thing new about Simon in most of this. Um, in, in these, so in these particular issues, I feel like that's kind of holding up. Uh, I don't really feel like I've learned anything new. Of course, he's going to be loyal to Jessica. Uh, you know, if, uh, it's it almost seems like of the two of them, Jess is the leader. Like yeah. she's she's telling Simon to stand down and do this, but we're also in a situation where Jess supposedly knows more than Simon about the situation. So maybe it's just a situational kind of following orders thing. I don't know, but there's that. Um, I, I mean, I, I, it's cool to step back every now and then, too, and, and do this, the whole local crime, gun smuggling, gun running, war profiteering thing, as opposed to, like, the big villains. So, but I feel like, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a big villain in this title. Like, oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's been a lot of this. Uh, and not to say that war profiteering and then the, 
the people who were being taken through the dating app and sold to slavery and, and and that stuff wasn't a big deal because that, those are interesting topics to, to to broach and they did bring up some political points sort of tangentially in our own modern society and so on and so forth but it feels like we haven't dealt with a like a comic book big bad in this title for a while I think that's I think that's a fair assessment where are you both home? <laughs> <laughs> Missing in action. Especially if the Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps title is going to be ending. And, you know, maybe the rumored Morrison title will pick up and that'll be something else. But it, it, for the for the nonce, for what we know now, uh, Green Lanterns is the only Green Lantern title we'll have. So where's our big bad? Now, this next story arc is something about corrupting the central power battery. That's that's a big thing, but you know we'll see how that shakes out. But just as as things stand right this instant, it just doesn't feel like we've had a big, you know, cosmic level threat in a while. No, and I can kind of, on one level I can kind of see why they would want to do something a little, you know, a little different like that to kind of to to try to make it more smaller to kind of go smaller when we, especially how big we they had been dealing with, but. But yeah, if, in a title with Green Lantern, it's kind of it's kind of it's a fi- we know it's it is kind of a fine line to walk, and so it's it's we acknowledge that if you do too much of one thing or the other, if you ground them too much, if you have them if you have them you know doing too many epic space things, that if you, without balance, you know it's, there's you're always going to get into trouble. So right. I think so it's it's like it's like it really is like a can't, you ugh, a can't win situation. But it does seem like ever since I think ever since, even though some of the stories were still set in space, clearly with with uh, during the Sealy run, it does seem like they were going for they were going for for smaller villains and more internal psychological things they were dealing with, uh, soci- you know, reflections on society, which of course obviously we know Venditti is kind of doing some of that too in the Hal and the Core grand finale. But this book seemed, but at least the obviously the the difference is the Venditti stuff is supposed, supposedly, whether you think it is or not, is another story dealing with a big threat, big picture threat to the universe too. And this stuff, you know, like obviously this arc, there really wasn't anything big picture wise that was really a threat to yeah. the universe as a whole, at least not yet. Yeah, and like you said, it, it, you, we're not necessarily saying that tackling the smaller stuff, uh, you know, relative to big cosmic threats isn't isn't a good idea and something that should be done because they are in Sector 2814. Uh, this, this is where this book is supposed to be taking place for the most part. They get caught up occasionally in things that take them outside their sector, but that's mostly what the Simon and Jessica book is supposed to be doing, 2814. So it's not like they're going to be encountering all of the huge... You know, th- threats out in the in the universe and in two eight one four, but given that, you know, Earth is the center of the multiverse, and you know this, you know, it's got all those super powered beings on it, and you know, it's kind of like a big blinking dot for every villain out there in the universe to come attack. Like I, I feel like there should be some more happening, but I do I do understand the need for the balance. I do appreciate the need for more and and i've said before we need more you know when it when it does get too cosmic we're like well where's the more like them doing their job 
policing the universe, saving people, you know, taking out the bad guy. It doesn't always have to be like atrocitous or something like, and, and that's what they've been doing here. And I, and I, I a hundred percent appreciate it. So I'm not criticizing them for doing it. I'm criticizing them for having done it so long. There does need to be a balance. Like Mark said, and speaking Speaking of two eight one four, to me, man, this these for two issues, this these two issues, they they friggin' jump to a lot of sectors. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of sector jumping going on in these in two issues. I mean, I think and no these, transluminal space. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that's a plus. Uh, maybe, maybe they flew like United or something. But all I know is it's it just that seemed to, that seemed to take me out a little bit. That it was like you always it's like even though they did revisit, I think a couple of sectors. I don't I don't think. So it wasn't like a brand new number. I think every single time they went to somewhere else, it just seemed like there was a lot of sector, a lot of sector jumping in this yeah. for for a two for a two issue a two issue arc. Uh, I was gonna say something, but I, I I'm trying. I, you said something that made me think, but I but I I think I lost my train of thought about it. Uh, well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we move on to uh, I guess our voicemail? Um. No, if 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 anything of relevance in this pops back into my head as we as we're doing Dowd's voicemail, then uh, then I'll mention it. But so it it was it was not the I mean it was not the worst arc to lead into to Jurgens, but it was naturally naturally going to be anticlimactic because we know the Jurgens run is coming or was coming. Yeah. It's already come by the, you know by the time this episode comes out. So. I think that I think that takes away from it. I think whenever you know that it's kind of like a filler issue. Plus, it's kind of it's, plus in general the time the way that they're handling both books is really weird because obviously somehow the fallout from Hal and the Core at number fifty factors into what's going on in Green Lanterns. But since that's friggin' like two more issues away, <laughs> and, and what forty what forty eight it's forty eight that just came out today. Forty eight uh, or forty seven. Forty eight. Pretty sure it's forty-eight. I'll double check, but I think you're right too. But still, we got we have we have two more. Yes, uh, so we have two we have two more issues of Hal and the Core. So basically, we have uh, it's going to take us you know to the beginning of August until that story arc basically is resolved. And yet, the Green Lanterns book is taking place now. In 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 chronological order, it's taking place after that story is resolved. So. In a way, it's a weird way to have to begin because in case there's some real, real massive n- nuance changes that are co- or something that was like coming as a surprise in issue fifty. They, they well, I think deal. I think I mean the only thing is lethal force, but that's been right. unsolicited. So. Yeah, I think yeah. you're probably I think you're probably right, but but if there's any but if there's any but I, I kind of suspect there's got to be something else with the resolution of that arc that's going to be. Uh, Status quo wise is going to change stuff, even though nobody's probably going to deal with it for a while. So then they don't have to really handle it much in Jurgen's first, you know, his first arc. Yeah. But still, it, it, it's always weird. It's like it's like when Wrath of the First Lantern ended, and that, and and what that core, the Green Lantern Core issue came out before one of the other, or the Red Lanterns came out before Green Lantern Core. So that, so you so you already found out like like, like the Guardians like were killed because of, because it was mentioned in, in in that issue, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might. It might have been before. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been before Green, the the final issue of of Green Lantern. Jeff Johns' last issue came out. There's one of the one of the prologue, the a, epilogue issues came out, and they addressed the fact mm-hmm. that like the Guardians died, I think. 
So I think that, so it was like one of those things, it's like it just screws things up <laughs> a little bit. But All right, well, we're going to move over to voicemail. We've actually got two voicemails, uh, one from April that we never played. I'm going to go ahead and play that right now. Hi, this message is for Nayeli. This is Sienna at Cherry Lash calling to confirm your appointment for this upcoming Friday the 27th. We have you at 8 a.m. at the Henderson Lounge for a Classic Film Plus. If you do have any questions or concerns, feel free to give us a call. Please do keep in mind that for same-day cancellations, reschedules, and no-shows, there is a 50% service charge. Thank you. Okay. Was that, was that for your anal waxing? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Naomi. Uh, if you didn't make it to your appointment at the uh, Henderson Lounge, we apologize for your 50% uh, service charge there. Uh, <laughs> so when Mark and I tell you, guys, please leave us voicemails, this, this is, is not why. What we mean. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise this number just gets shopped out to all these other places. I, I mean, this is probably just a missed dial, but, I mean, come on. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know what it's like for us to be like, oh, shit, we've got a voicemail. Awesome. Let's listen to it. Wrong number. (laughs) So disheartening. But luckily, our buddy Dowd is following through for us. So we're going to listen to Dowd's voicemail. And he sent us a follow-up email that we'll talk about, uh, too, as well. So I'll go ahead and play that now. Hey, Chad and Mark. It's uh, Dowd. Uh, I'm listening to you guys' first coverage of uh, the Rise of the Dark Stars. Uh, two things. Uh, first of all, Chad, you, I like uh, the thoughts you're expressing about, like, you can't really pick a true side. You can't truly really pick a side for the whole capital punishment debate. It's a very complex issue. Uh, second thing, uh, going back a few episodes before that, uh, the, the, the Green Realm version of, uh, of Simon uh, Solomon Band, I, I was looking back at his arm. I actually don't think that's Arabic on his arm. Uh, the closest I could figure it out, I think it's actually Hebrew writing. Uh, so I, I believe he's Lebanese, so it's possible that he, uh, that Solomon Band is a Lebanese uh, Jewish person, Lebanese American Jewish person. But uh, that's Kind of, I, I guess there's some kind of dichotomy to that they wanted to express, or I'm pretty sure there's a few people who are going to, if they realize that they're going to get some letters for uh, making making a Jewish terrorist for other reasons. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, now, I'm, now that I'm back into Green Lantern. Uh, also, you you guys are really hating on Simon. I, I for one, I I haven't I haven't had to listen to his uh, I haven't had to read his stories for the last couple of years. So maybe there's some baggage there. Uh, I for one, I'm I'm, I'm still happy that uh, in a few years I'll be able to introduce my nephew to a superhero character that actually looks like him. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. And then we got the follow-up email. Mark, you want to read that real quick before we reply to all that? This is the this is the follow-up when Dowd admits I was wrong. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only about about the script that goes on. Okay, so this is verbatim now. I look back at the at the issue to try and figure out what is written on Solomon Baz's arm. Never mind, it is Arabic, but the page I was using as reference was drawn in a way that made it look like Hebrew script. In fact, it does say without mercy. 
uh, like Solomon uh, said in the issue, though once again it's written backwards and says mercy without. I hope one day somebody remembers that Arabic is read right to left. Sorry, I realize this is trivia. Uh, no one asked for it. I was, and I was wrong about it in the first place. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that, that that it was a cool it was a cool idea actually that he if he had been right the idea that how they were completely flipping the character you know going from mm-hmm. Arabic to Jewish and things and especially giving him the name Solomon that could have opened the door for that so that so that was that was kind of a it was a cool concept he had to be pumped there for a second it's like oh <laughs> yeah. Now uh, in terms of what he was talking about with uh, us hating on Simon. I mean, I feel like we, we, both you and I, bash in different ways, and and bash is maybe too strong of a word. Maybe criticize uh, Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps in different ways, uh, for different reasons. Let's be 100% clear here, at least on my side. I'm definitely not going to speak for Mark. Maybe he'll agree with me, maybe he won't. Um, But I don't hate either book. If I had to choose one or the other, I'd say Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps over Green Lanterns. But my criticism of what's happening with Simon Baz has nothing to do with him being like a shitty character. It has to do with him not being... He, he's he's uh, an afterthought to the writer, for the most part, in, in, the, in the books that we've seen him in. Basically, Simon's had no real development since he was introduced by Jeff Johns. Now, in the, the, the Green Lanterns series that were, you know, 40 plus issues into or whatever, fine. You know, like, yes, they have, they have focused on him a little bit here and there. They've shown a bit of his family life uh, and some of his past. But let's be honest. When you read the, the, the Jeff Johns stuff about Simon... Did you know that he was a family man? Yes, you came away with that. Did you know that about his past? Yeah, you came away with that too. There's been no real development of Simon. As a matter of fact, it was at the beginning of the series, it was the reverse. They essentially made Simon an ass so that you'd like Jessica more. And did it work? Yes, both Mark and I both like Jessica. We like her and care about her more and more each issue. We do like some of the stuff that they're doing with her. But for a while there, they were doing it at the expense of Simon Baz. And then ever since then, because of the popularity of Jessica, they focused more on Jessica and haven't given us really anything new to chew on with Simon Baz. I mean, you get a little bit here and there, so I'm not going to give them like 100% shit for it. Like, you know, him going on the dating app. You can you can uh, ascertain that, you know, he's lonely. Him trying to apply for jobs and then getting the... Living in the sector house, you can get the idea he's trying to get his life together and sort of struggling with the balance of being a lantern and being a man. Like, don't get me wrong, there are things you can focus on and sort of see about Simon along the way, but if you compare the personality, the history, the the all the world building that you get with Jessica versus all the world building you've been getting with Simon, it, it's like 75 to 25. So that's that's sort of my criticism with Simon is not that he's a shit character. It's that you've given me no reason to care over the past 50 issues, not the way you've done with Jessica. I think that's fair. Uh, First, dealing with Simon, 
first of all, for Dowd, I, I do. It's easy from our perspective to kind of like over overlook the relevant. Again, keyword today's keyword. The password is balance. Mm-hmm. That today's main word is balance. And sometimes it's hard to balance out. Looking at the, the fact that even though in many ways it's hard to justify Simon existing in a world in a in a an environment in which we have a gazillion Earth Green Lanterns to begin with, let alone thousands of other Green Lanterns, and what Simon brings to the table that makes him unique without this the forced Emerald Sight crap and things like that. There is, I mean, there is something nice to the fact that. What Dad said about being able to like introduce his nephew, you know, to hey, look, you know, here's a Green Lantern, the kind of you know, superhero in general, but a Green Lantern that looks like you, kind of thing. So that's that. That's a cool concept. It's nice. It's kind of like the way even Jessica, for somebody who's for someone who's you know who's dealing with anxiety issues and things like that, that it's good to know that there's a you know a major character out there that is. You know, in the mainstream superhero world, is de- is dealing with this and is able, and is trying to balance and has good days and bad days and things like that. So there is that element to it, and I think we both kind of respect that. We both think that, that that's true, and it, it is good to you know remember that once in a while. The other thing, the other side of the coin is also true. It's kind of hard to get too invested in the character if you think they just that's their only purpose for existing. And that a lot of that goes back to as we've addressed a bunch of times. It's because the poor decision Jeff Johns made to make to introduce Simon in such a heavy-handed, you know, you know, poor, you know, persecuted Muslim, bad American, you know, poor innocent Muslim persecution. That whole that heavy-handed origin issue. That to be fair, they moved away from. I mean, Simon had a Simon was a lot more likable, and once you moved beyond, you know, what they. Forced down your throat in that one issue. Yeah, he was much more like probably yeah, one of the, it's... probably probably one of the best things about Rise of the Third Army because I mean he was like teaming up like he went up against the Justice League for a little bit. He was teaming up with Chip. Like I mean that was, Guy. That was cool. yeah that was cool. Yeah, it was cool. That was and that was a much more likable Simon Baz. And for the most part, I'd say we've gotten at all during this run. There may be a few moments when he's sorry likable. Someone's gonna someone's gonna badge. point that out. But no, 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 no. I meant badge. He, oh, he, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Not chip. Chip's dead. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Sorry. Go ahead. It, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to keep those squirrels straight sometimes. But yeah, yes. I I did like their partnership. That was cool. But uh, but there's elements of Baz that still you get maybe little glimpses of that uh, post intro Baz back in Jeff, the the winding down of the Jeff Johns run. But Simon Baz back then was a lot more likable than the Simon Baz we have now. That's how, and like that's one of the reasons why I always rail about the crap, the whole oh let's make fun of Guy Gardner, all the crap that he does is like it's like he does. And, and again, you could psychoanalyze Baz and say, well, I'm I'm going to make fun of this guy because everybody else kind of makes fun of him, and that prevents people from looking at me and maybe making fun of me. If I go along with the crowd and pick on the other guy, they won't pick on me. So there could be an element of that, but it's still bullshit because we know si- Simon dealt with Guy early on and they had a really good relationship. So, Plus, as far as being a Green Lantern, Emerald Sight or not, he can't hold Guy's jock. So let's just cut, you know, let's just cut, you know, cut to the chase there. So it's just hard. So I mean, Jessica, I think Jessica serves a pur- purpose and I think she c- can serve a real purpose going forward. I, and I'm not, and I guess Simon could. 
but we've just had like years of Simon doing nothing and and waste and basically taking up space in this book. When I would much rather have Guy in this book with Jessica, I'd rather have Kyle in this book with Jessica. So I I, I might rather have Salak in this book than Simon uh, <coughs> with Jess. I would so I'd rather have all these other lanterns with Jessica instead instead of instead of Simon. So it's just. Maybe I'm hoping I'm hoping Jurgens will bring something will bring something to it. Uh, you couldn't help but laugh at the solicits, which we don't have to talk to about. <laughs> that it does seem to be par for the course with what's at least what's going to happen to Simon short term. It's like yeah, <laughs> that'll be cool to see if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's we but. I, it's fair to say Simon's not our favorite, so it, it, and we're, we try to be, we we try to be objective, but we, and, we are. And, and Simon's not our favorite, not because of anything. Simon, it, it when you, when you're choosing a favorite character, you're choosing them based on what you know about them, what you identify with, what you like, what you don't like. We don't know anything about Simon compared to all of the other lanterns, so therefore he cannot be our favorite. It's entirely it's entirely possible that some writer could come along and make Simon one of our favorite lanterns. But as of right now, what we know about him doesn't make him our favorite because we don't know comparatively. We know the least about him compared to all the other lanterns. I mean, all the other human lanterns. I don't know that Tig is growing on me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica and Tig. <laughs> Uh, well, before we go into spoilery territory, I did want to mention, just because I'm this guy, today is uh, July 11th, uh, Wednesday, and what came out today in uh, comics, of course, you know, new comics come out on Wednesdays, but uh, lots of merchandise comes out, including trade paperbacks, and one thing that came out today is the collected trade paperback of the six-issue Ragman series. So if anybody out there is a trade waiter, doesn't want to get sing, uh, get all the single issues and do that whole thing, uh, and you're curious about the new Ragman series and what it, what it is that interests me about that character and so on and so forth, and you wanted to give it a shot but didn't want to buy the single issues, the trade paperback, and yes, it came out in paperback, not hardcover, so you don't have to spend all that money, uh, is out today, and it is $16.99 U.S. and $22.99 Canadian. So head out to your uh, LCS or go on Amazon.com or whatever and purchase that Ragman trade. Uh, it's also got some concept art and uh, character design work uh, for like uh, four pages in the back of the book, too. So if you're curious, run out there and uh, pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Make Chad happy. Uh, that's right. Uh, tell DC you want more Ragman by buying more Ragman. Uh, uh, also, the reason I brought it up, it's the first Ragman trade paperback to ever be released ever. All the stuff from the 70s, never collected. All the stuff from the 90s, never collected. The only thing Ragman heavy that's ever been collected was Shadow Pact. <laughs> so, yay. <laughs> Hopefully, DC gets their stuff together and puts, like... At this point, like, as much as I love Ragman... And would want him to have a full color treatment. I at this point, I'd almost want them to put out a showcase presents like black and white edition with 
all the 70s stuff, the early 90s stuff. <laughs> like, just throw it all in there in one big volume, please, just so it's out there, because it's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> but this 2017 work for a character that's been around since 1976, <laughs> this is the first time we've ever collected any of his stories. <laughs> Oh. It's about damn time. That's right. Alright, so we want to get into spoilery territory? Yeah, might as well. Let's talk. Since All Chad right. actually did get to see Ant Man, which is kind of a kind of a surprise. We didn't think he was gonna get that in under the wire for this episode, but I had a job interview and it was early in the morning and I had a free ticket to a movie and I was like, Yeah, I'll kill some time. So yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> Don't be so enthusiastic about going, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, air-conditioned. <laughs> at, at, at this point, guys, uh, there's no more talk after this. We're going to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp and then close out the episode. So if you have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp yet, uh, go ahead and shut off the show and come back to it after you have. Uh, or, you know, if you don't care about spoilers, go on. But you have been warned, and that's all we're going to say about it. Pa- pause so. this episode. Leave it paused. Go out and see this movie now. Come back and pick up where you left off. That's right. Uh, well, what do you want to say? Where do you want to start? The thing I think, even though I'm not going to say it had the best mid-credit scene of all time, because I, there's a lot of been a lot of cool mid-credit scenes, mm-hmm. but I would I would go out in the limb and say it's 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 arguably is the most effective mid-credit scene. Okay. Because I, because I know. And I've obviously I've heard other people say the same thing in the theaters they were in when they saw it because I saw it last Thursday night. I saw the the seven o'clock showing uh, on opening night, which in the theater was really was surprisingly packed. Uh, not because I didn't think it would do well, but I've been to a lot of the Thursday night showings, and it was kind of an odd time when you know with, with the holiday have, having been a Wednesday, so it was kind of I figured it'd be moderately busy, but not. But it was the theater was pretty full. I mean, obviously, I knew what the mid credit scene was going to be because I know what almost all these things are going to be before I go see the movie. I pretty much know the spoilers, or, and that's and I'm fine with that. So I knew what both credit scenes were going to be. But this, but it was curious to see something. Like I said, that's part of the reason why I like knowing this stuff because I like to see how it plays with the audience for people who don't know what's going to happen or what. And because that mo- because this movie. It, was mostly upbeat. There was some negative stuff to it, as far as you know, ghosts and different ramifications of you know of, of her story. But for the most part, it was rel- it was it was kind of an upbeat movie, as far as resolution-wise, for most for most of the characters. That you did, even though again, logically, consciously, people had to know. Well, you still have to resolve, you know, resolve how this fits in with what we know from Infinity War. <laughs> so when they do that mid-credit scene of 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 Scott being back in the quantum realm, absorbing the energy to to help Ghost, and they're doing the countdown to bringing him back, and then you realize why they, you know, he's lost communication with everybody because they've all been dusted. That it's, that got a big reaction out of out of the crowd in in my theater, and from what I've read, that was a fairly common reaction last week when people, with the way most people reacted, that people were kind of like shocked and people were. As sh- again, as shocked as you can be with something you know there has to be some kind of tie into Infinity War one way or the other. Maybe the yeah. shock was more that all three of them faded away. 
that Jed, well, Hope, and Hank all faded away. Well, there wasn't as big of a you know uh, reaction slash gasp or whatever from from my audience. Um, but you, and always, by the but way, you, were, you were a daytime audience, though, right? Yeah, but my, my theater, other than the front two rows that are right in front of the screen, most of the theater was full. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was really interesting to me. It was because it was, I just saw it uh, last night. Yeah, last night. Uh, just without a job, everything's like <laughs> blending together time-wise. Um, but anyways, um, so showing – so the uh, – I think it got as big of a reaction as it did, uh, it, partly, yeah, because they're all gone, but partly because of the emotional context of the film. Because when Janet comes back, uh, or when she's talking and she's, you know, uh, uh, her and Hank have that big moment together in the in the realm and all that. And I just so happened to look over, there was a couple that was my age sitting next to me, uh, and um, his girlfriend was like audibly, you know, audibly weeping. Like so, there was a lot of like emotional context and and the stuff with Janet. Uh, so to, to I, I think part of it was having Janet come back only to lose her, you know, immediately after. Right. Which uh, so I think that was part of it. I'll say I'll say this for the film, I enjoyed it. I laughed out loud several times. I was entertained. There wasn't a part of it where I was like, ah, all right, let's pick up the pace. There was none of that. That being said, much like these two issues we just reviewed. I feel like Ant-Man is inconsequential. Not bad, inconsequential to the rest of the MCU. Now, there's the theories out there about what Janet was talking about when she was coming back, how she's changed, the evolution, so on and so forth, that those are going to be setting up building blocks for the rest of the MCU, the quantum realm, and how all this is going to maybe bring in or help explain mutants or, you know, all of these things. So don't get me wrong. It's possible that this could be like a linchpin for phase four or whatever the hell we're calling it. But taken at face value as the MCU stands right now, I'm looking at the first Ant-Man movie and I'm looking at this Ant-Man movie and going, it's an enjoyable movie. It's a good action flick. It's a good superhero movie. A, B, C, D is checking all these boxes. But as an MCU movie, I really don't care. Now, that could be just me. Maybe I maybe Ant-Man is not for me. Uh, and that's completely fine. Not everything has to be for me. And out of you know 10 years of these movies, it's completely fine if one of them isn't for me. But I can tell you right now, the way things stand after seeing two of these films, if Ant-Man wasn't connected to the MCU, I wouldn't be seeing these movies in theaters. I'd wait. I, I had, I'd have no problem waiting for them to come out. Would I want to see them? Yes. Would I pay money and devote time and scheduling to go physically see the movie in theaters? No. But I have to do it because, uh, A, I don't want to be spoiled, and B, this is a really smart move to put Ant-Man and the Wasp after Infinity War because it makes people curious about this is the first MCU movie after the Infinity War. What happens? And that was uh, that was one that was me. I was like, I, I got to... Whatever at this tie into Infinity War, I want to see the first MCU movie after Infinity War, see what's going on. But for me personally, I just feel like Ant-Man has nothing to do with the MCU. So. Well, even though we know it's going to. <laughs> we know as far as... based, We know there's every reason to believe, at least as far as Avengers 4 goes, that Scott being where he is... 
and Scott getting out of where he is, how he gets out of where he is, probably is the is is the linchpin to how they end up beating Thanos. You know, she because he to me it's one of the most fascinating things about the ending, and and, and you'll never I, and you might you probably will never know this unless one of the directors just comes out and says, oh yeah, th- this is the case. But from a storytelling perspective, there's almost no way we would ever know this for a fact. I would be curious to see if Scott survived only because he was in the quantum realm, or was, or if he was one of those, one of the half of the universe that was supposed to survive to begin with, and even if he wasn't in the quantum realm, he would have been okay. Because I was, I would just be, just conceptually, that's something that intrigues me. Like if, if Jan, if uh, Hope had been in there with him, would Hope have survived just because she was in the quantum realm and things worked differently there? But. We know we know Janet you know, was giving him the primer about you know, stay away from like the time vortexes or else you get lost and we can never bring we'll never we don't we'll never be able to find you because we won't know where you are. We've all seen the pictures of looking besides the little devices they have on their hands of we've seen the pictures that look like an older Tony Stark. So the so it so the pieces certainly seem to be falling into place that Scott ends up going through one of these vortexes ends up in the future. For no likelihood to start with. Finds out that's especially since the rumors were that they cast they cast someone to play Cassie, an older version of his daughter. That he's going to end up in the future. He's going to inter interact with Tony. That technology that 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 basically the Hank the Pym technology, along with probably that the extra the the energy that the quantum energy that he has in that cylinder that he collected. Tony's going to figure out Pym's technology, and he's going to come up with those devices that are going to enable the Avengers at least some of the Avengers to go back in time to be able to try to beat Thanos that way. Which fits into everything else that we heard about the idea of trying to get another gauntlet, of going back in time to basically cut off Thanos at the pass from getting the, these, these Infinity Stones the way he did in our time. To, to try to change time and be, to get them before he gets them. So, I, so it, there is something interesting to me about the idea that you were correct. That Scott Lang and, and not so much Pym because we know Pym really his tech in you know there's a lot of stuff with Pym tech and I do I find Pym and, and Howard Stark being like, you know so alike in many ways because so many people who work with them just hate them <laughs> that they both have that a lot of the things that rise up that their that their kids have to that their kids and their successors have to deal with are all because of how they treated coworkers and people they worked with and. And the, that they were not fun people to work with, and I, I also like the just a mere concept that you know the, the Pims seem to hate the or at least Hank hates the Starks so much, but yet it's it probably is going to be Tony working on and taking Pim technology and using that technology, combining with it maybe his own technology to save the you know the multi, the multiverse here. But I li- I I like I just like the idea that. You know, with Hank, I just that up to this point, yes, that there is that his technology may be part of you know is a big bigger factor. But you're right, Ant Man hasn't been much of a factor. He's been comic relief. He's a fun character. You know, he's likable. He's relatable. He's a lot more of the average guy, the common man. But now it's kind of there's going to be a certain irony to the fact that you know Scott Lang being in the right place at the right time, whether again whether it was because he was meant to be as far as he was always going to survive or whether he was just protected either way 
Yeah, he obviously he was meant to be there, but whether he was he was would have been dusted otherwise. But clearly, this is this factors into the one path to victory that Doctor Strange saw, that all these all these little pieces coming, and that's why Tony had to survive. Tony had to survive because he was probably going to be the arguably the only one left who could take the Pym technology and do something with it to be the only maybe the only other way available to them to travel back in time but that's with the time with the time stone gone that Tony needed to survive for that reason so I do fi- find in fact I potentially if it plays out the way it's a lot it seemingly is going to to a certain extent that Ant-Man's going to be a big factor you know because of the Pym technology and helping them eventually succeed and win that I do find that fascinating for a character that not just but the the ha 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 that he's been small relatively in the in the MCU, but that he's been such a he's been a relatively outsider in a lot of the things that have gone on. Yeah, he was in Civil War, but what? But still, even the ramifications. Obviously, there were ramifications for him in Civil War, being on being a, having to take the plea deal and being on house arrest and things like that. But his he still was on the fringe, and he's always he kind of was back on the outs again. So. I do like that the idea that Ant Man is going to be such a, a small character, figuratively and literally, could be such a huge character in helping them, you know, defeat Thanos. Yeah, uh, I'll say the stuff with uh, another thing I was thinking about while I was watching it, the stuff with Bill Foster, uh, you know, not being a bad guy but aligning with the bad guy seems super telegraphed to me. Uh, it was, I mean, basically the minute uh, they entered the. Office. His, his office and have started having that conversation with him. I was like, all right, he's tied to ghost for a minute. I was like, you know, he's your father or something to that effect. But, you know, at the very least, the fact that I could, you could enter that scene and immediately go, he's in league with, <laughs> with ghost in some way, shape or form that, that could have been worked on a little bit more for me. Maybe, maybe they knew that going in. That's why so soon after it, you, you get the reveal. Uh, it's not like a, 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 a big reveal or a later on thing. It's just sort of, oh, yeah, of course, I was right, <laughs> you know, sort of a thing. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but uh, I, I did like all the stuff with Scott being on house arrest and the stuff that he does in the house and close-up magic stuff. And uh, for a minute there, they're doing so many close-up magic gags, I thought – a close-up magic trick would, would would play a big big role in the in like you know defeating whatever was happening in the movie. Um, so so that was that was uh, interesting. Uh, the stuff with Cassie was cute. Um, you know uh, her mentioning that she wanted to be his partner. Uh, I don't read a lot of Marvel and especially not a lot of Ant Man, but I know enough about Marvel to know that Cassie does become a, an ant person at some point in the MCU. Uh, so, or, or a hero of some, uh, of some fashion. So that was a cool shout out to me. Um, but you know, again, I don't want to want it to sound like I'm shitting on this movie. I did enjoy it. I laughed out loud. You know, I watched it, you know, with bated breath and I wasn't like waiting for it to pick up the pace or anything. But at the same time, I didn't enjoy it in one particular aspect. And that's as an MCU film. Um, because that, which is a new feeling, I guess, within the last ten years. Uh, but you know, you're you're watching this and you go, "Oh, I'm having fun," but I'm not getting the same vibe off of this that I get off of watching the next installment of a Thor film or the next installment of an Iron Man film or Cat film, you know, so so on and so forth. You know, Guardians. 
while removed from from all the stuff that's happening on Earth, at least you were getting Infinity Stones and Thanos and, you know, you were building that cosmic world and you knew that was going to come really into play, you know, pretty soon once those two worlds come crashing together with the Avengers and the Guardians. So while physically removed from everything that's ha- else that's happening in the MCU, at least you look at Guardians and have that connection. With Ant-Man, I just didn't feel that connection. So... And I think that's I think that has been by design, and I think it's and I think in a way it is kind of like you mentioned with Guardians. It takes it's kind of like an offshoot. It and maybe and maybe the, the the part of the reaction, not necessarily you're having, but maybe some others have had to that is the fact that it's taking it's taking much longer for us to get the real payoff with what the the significance and importance of the of the Ant Man as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, and now obviously I think kind of now we kind of see what that is. Now they're pointing us in the direction of why Ant Man and and the Pym Tech and the Quantum Realm and all these things are so important. Not just because of future stories and you know bring in bringing in you know version like the Micronauts and different things they could bring in. Of I mean the, the Micronauts they own obviously the original characters and things of that of that nature, but just because of the fact that this is this is a backdoor way to be able to time travel and to do other things to be to that now or much bigger raised raised much bigger questions but also short term now you know get pave the way for the opening that they might need or they do need clearly to beat to beat Thanos the mm-hmm. uh, the Bill Foster stuff yeah, I'm not gonna say it was a complete surprise either, but I, but I I didn't bother me because of the fact that it kind of wasn't you you understood it from the from a character perspective because yeah. again like I talked about because of the fact that much like uh, Whiplash, much like you know how he had to deal with you know his father being basically you know, disgraced and sent and put sent out on his own when he was a contributor contributor to working on you know te- the tech with Howard Stark and then he was given the shitty end of the stick depending on one's perspective traitor or not the point is we still the still concept of he was an, he had an involvement in developing the tech he was a partner at one point and then he gets shown the door and then and then the child of this disgraced partner has to basically pick up the pieces or suffers for the sins of their father and then and, what's his name with the extremist tech in Iron Man 3 yeah, that is that's yeah that's that's true too. Not by Tony's father, but did get shown the boot essentially by Tony. So, right, yeah. So there's again the the, the idea of you creating yeah creating your own enemy, you know, the architect of your own destruction. But I like the i. So it made sense to me that Bill would be naturally sympathetic, not just because you know he knows what he knows basically what a dick it was to work with Hank. So Ghost's father being pushed out and being kicked out, that he would have natural sympathy towards uh, wanting to help him anyway and or being friends with him and then having to dealt with what happened to his daughter. And that, you know, that was... And then seeing, you know, and that, the whole idea that you know, this, poor do- you know, this poor chick who in the beginning she can't even touch anything because she's constantly phasing, phasing in and out of, of different realities. Uh, the idea that they end up, yeah, they get her powers somewhat under control, but they really, not Bill necessarily, because clearly Bill wasn't in favor of this, but S.H.I.E.L.D., and they basically used her to try to 
just they got her under control just enough to use her as a weapon. You know what I wish? I, I, the, the, and I was thinking this during her sort of exposition about her background. I wish they would have taken the time to like have somebody. It could have been Bill. It could have been Scott. It could have been Hope. I, I don't care. Have somebody say that wasn't S.H.I.E.L.D., that was HYDRA. That is true. That is true. Because, I mean, they've built up, especially with the TV show, they've built up so much goodwill you know, about the whole shield concept, um, you know, and you can leave off the TV show and still there's such goodwill built up about shield beyond, um, you know, of course what happens to them in civil war, but even in civil and uh, not civil war, uh, winter soldier, but even in winter soldier, you know, you, you get the clear distinction that not everybody in shield is a bad person. Uh, it's just, you know, Hydra has infiltrated. So I wish somebody would have, pointed that out now it could maybe maybe for director or you know a producer writer or whatever that was just too much it would would have thrown something off pacing wise i don't know but i feel like we could have said something about that being hydra even if her retort was i don't care you know you know this was this was still done to me it shouldn't matter even if that was the case somebody should have said something about that was hydra not shield that's a good point i agree it is. Yeah. It is kind of. It does kind of. That that ha, You can make the case that has been something that really has kind of fallen by the wayside in the movies a lot. Not yeah. that. Not that that's. I mean, there hasn't been as much of a direct tie to Shield as in modern Shield, current timeline Shield. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been as much to it, so I guess it's not as blatant an omission as before, or as it could as one might perceive it to be. But yeah, they've they've kind of moved. They've they have kind of moved away from. I mean, really, you think about it, the most they've dealt with it since Civil War. I mean, since Winter Soldier probably was in what Age of Ultron. Yeah. You had basically the split, the splinter part of Shield, the actual good part of Shield, showing showing up at the end in Sokovia. And which 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 is the TV show Shield because right. because uh, Nick. I mean, he doesn't say Coulson, but he says he got the helicarrier from a friend. Yeah. So, which I liked it. which which happens during the Shield show, they right. they they find some helicarriers or some something like that. Yeah, I wasn't disappointed by it. It kind of was exactly what I what I expected it to be. Uh, I'm glad it's making more money than the first. I'm glad overall it's. I definitely liked it more than the first. Yes, and I think it. I, yeah, I think it, I, I think it kind of found his legs. I think this 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 you know this like this Pym verse. I think they kind of found their legs. I would, I whether they make a third movie, I don't know. Maybe a lot of that will just be determined by who knows. Maybe depending on how, we know obviously Avengers four will be huge, but but maybe the, the reaction to you know Ant Man's role in that movie, maybe that will help determine whether they think and. Uh, I'm sure whatever the final box office worldwide ends up being for this movie too. I would like to see a third one, especially if we get to see, especially if you got to see more of all of them. If you got to see Hank and Janet and and Hope and Scott, if you got to and see Bill. all of them and Bill, yes, I'm sure we're gonna see. I yeah, I would be stunned even just by listening to uh, Lawrence Fishburne talk. It seems like it's almost like a given that, that uh, Bill Foster is going to be back. So that would be the most logical place for him, for him to come back. Now, uh, one of the most logical places for him to come back would be to 
but it, yeah, it would it would be cool. There's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. One one thing I really liked about this movie was it seemed like we did get more Michael Douglas in this movie. I thought, or either that, or his his arc was a little better. That you got to see a little more of a little more depth to his character. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I I get fa- I again. It's I know it's the, the era that we live in, so maybe it shouldn't be as shocking anymore. But I think it's cool when you have people. Especially when you have, you know, really A-tier actors, especially the older A-tier actors who end up getting into like a franchise like like Marvel, and they just really get into their characters, and they really enjoy it, and that's that's what I find. I think that's what's really cool, and I think that's seemingly what Marvel up to this point has done better. One of the many things has done better than DC is that it seems to be that kind of reaction. Like I know, I know Michael Douglas has said he he basically he would be all for like doing a pre, like a prequel. A prequel version of like Ant Man and the Wasp, with you know, like during the Cold War and stuff. like Yeah, that. like during like or, or yeah, anywhere between the Cold War, basically leading up to that rocket launch that ended up taking Janet out. That doing the idea of basically now we know it would be it would be Michelle Pfeiffer, even though in the first movie we didn't know because you never saw Janet Janet's face. But the idea of doing a you know, a prequel a a, a a time period movie with the original Ant Man and Wasp, the, the fact that Michael Douglas would be wasn't is clearly enthusiastic about doing something like that. I think that's kind of cool. The idea that you know, especially somebody. I mean, he's obviously not like knocking on death's door or anything. God forbid, but he but he is in the back nine of his career overall, considering how long a career he's had. You know, he's been acting a long time. You know, because considering you know, how long Kirk Douglas's career was, you know, and Michael Douglas has been around for a huge chunk of time himself before. So it would. It would be. It's kind. Of, I, I think. I think that's cool, and I think that's one of the things Marvel has really done for the most part is that people have enjoyed playing their characters. They're always. They're always outliers, and obviously we know a few for different reasons. A few roles have had to be uh, recast, but for the most for the most part, the actors have really enjoyed their roles, and 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 very few people get really don't like their character or get sick of their character and say, eh, I want out for that reason. Even the people that want out want out only because, A, they might, they like maybe like Robert Downey Jr. maybe thinking he's getting too old to do this role. And just and just the general concept of not only wanting to do other projects like Chris Evans, but the idea that getting out, you know, getting out while you're on top as opposed to sticking around and maybe hanging around just too long and going to the well one time too much. You know, it's kind of like, like Superman 4. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of thing. So, but other than that, it seems everybody, everybody, you know, most for the most part, everybody's happy with their roles, and it just impresses me more when you have like, like the, like the, like even Michael Keaton, like Michael Keaton, you know, from Homecoming, that mm. especially since it seems that they seem to have to make a little, a, like a little more of a full court press to get him locked down when first they had him, then he, then he was not, then they didn't have him, but the fact that he was. You know that he seemed once he started working for them and working in that universe, he was really, really impressed with that. So I just think that's pretty cool that they obviously are doing something. They obviously are doing something right. So I think that's 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 admirable, and the fact that their movies have continued to be good is something that we know they're gonna. Law of averages says they're gonna have a stinker. It's almost inevitable, and, and I mean, a st- I mean a true stinker, not I mean beyond Dark World stinker, beyond. Incredible Hulk, Iron Man two or three, you know the the lower tier of the almost recognized lower tier of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That you know eventually they're going to do something that doesn't work, 
even if the movie's good, it's something that, from a box office perspective, perspective, it's not going, it's going to bottom out. It has to. Well, something's not going to, you know, is not going to resonate. But what they've done is pretty impressive. So, I, I, you know, no, all pun intended, I kind of marvel at what they've done, considering that it's not easy to do, and we've seen that with all different French franchises and genres that even things whether it's like a thing something like bond whether it's something like the x-men even and obviously as we've seen with star wars that nothing nothing is you know invincible nothing is impossible for, go, for going off the rails and the fact that they've been able to maintain but actually they've done better than maintain they've actually improved for the most part they haven't had they you know when was the last when you think about when was something that was, really could be close to a stumble for them what was it? Iron Man three, Dark World. Like, Dark World is probably the best example. Uh, Iron Man three made a crap ton of money, but it did. But I don't think many people. I didn't seem like many people were much happier with it than they were for Iron Man two. Dark World. I, I think Dark World is the. I mean, I would say Dark World is probably the worst, the worst one in the in the cinematic universe so far. But but either way, you still got to go back a long time because I, even Iron Man three came out. Actually, Thor two also. Followed relatively closely, but Iron Man three was the first one to come out after uh, after Avengers. Because people, it's easy to forget now that both Iron Man and Iron Man two predated the Avengers. So you have to go back to relatively shortly after the you know the original Avengers, which was what 2012, right? 2012, I think was the Avengers. So you have to go back to like 2013 to have something that was a could actually be considered a stumble either because of box office or because, more importantly, because of critical and fan reaction to it. That's a long time. And especially when they've had a lot of different movies with a lot of different tones, from Ragnarok to Doctor Strange to Ant-Man to Infinity War, that they've had a lot of different they've had a lot of different uh, Civil, Civil War, Winter Soul, a lot of different kinds of movies, a lot of different takes and tones. And they've really made a concerted so they run a nice tight ship in the sense that they know they have an idea of what works. They seem to have a much better feel for that these days than uh, other franchises, and I think that's it. It has paid dividends, so you have to give props where it is due. I got nothing else to say on it, but I will say two things. One, <laughs> you can you you can you can give Superman for the quest for peace. All the shit you want, but I like it better than Superman 3. And also, uh, they played the trailer for uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody again in front of uh, the film uh, when I saw it yesterday. And man, am I psyched for that. Every time I see that thing, I get more and more excited. Time is just flying by, man. And before you know it, all these October-November movies are going to be coming out. It's It's... Well, it makes it really makes. I mean, time just flies by in general. I mean, it's hard to. It just seems like yesterday was July first, and here we are by the end of the week. Half the month is over with. So it's it's just once you get to that point in your life, time just flies by. And even all these movies. I mean, I and even when you try to do stuff, I wanted to record something because I know you didn't either watch these trailers or didn't care much about about them. I was gonna do an audio thing talking about, and actually theoretically. All I had to do was ask Ryan Daly if we could have used the stuff that he and I talked about when we recorded the uh, that summer sampler segment. Hey, a lot of alliteration there. The fire and water summer sampler segment that Ryan Daly and I did for the 
uh, Give Me the Star Wars that we all after we got done doing that we talked about the the Halloween trailer he watched it again and we t- and we and we kind of talked about it and broke it down so I could have just asked him because we could have just kind of released that as a mini mini blog audio blog but I really wanted to do something and talk about either the Halloween trailer along with the Creed 2 trailer uh, and before you know I mean it's, it's just hard to believe that all the both of those movies it's like oh my god that's a long time away and it's like no before you know it you know in another like in a snap of a finger it's going to be August and we're going to be a couple of months away from all these movies coming out it's just it's just it's just interesting and do you think we're getting an Aquaman trailer in Comic Con yes nope. 100% 100% yeah they better I have I mean, no I'm, doubt I, I, had, I didn't have any doubt really at this point either but the rea- especially, with all those, especially with all those uh, photos showing up in Entertainment Weekly yeah it's pretty late. It's pretty damn late in the game, though. It is late in the game not to have had at least a teaser before now. I mean, the movie comes out what in November, and here we are in the middle of July, and we hadn't haven't even seen one teaser trailer for it. Uh, I don't think that was clever or smart marketing. They could have at least done a teaser, even if they didn't show much in the teaser, and then released the full trailer at Comic Con. But we'll see. Uh, but right. other than that. Yeah, I think uh, some cool movies coming out, and obviously uh, there'll be more. We'll be doing more movie talk as we get as we get in the fall, anyway. So, Venom. Yep, Venom will be one of them. That's right. Uh, I think we should do an episode on Venom. I know you do. So I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I can't. I cannot 100% guarantee you I'm going to be see, seeing Venom the Thursday it opens, but I will try to see it within the first week. That it's out. If you want to do an episode on that, that's that's fine. Um, and and was that our was that going to be our last one? Our last focal, main focal point, probably. Um, uh, no, unless we no, want to do Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that. Uh, I'm probably not going to see that. I'm I'm 100 seeing that. A big classic rock fan. Um, you're not going to see Halloween. You're probably you're not no. going to see Creed. Uh, just, I mean, you know, like, and, and that's that's just because I don't really have interests in those franchises. Yeah, I, had, I know, I know, I, I, yeah. I know. I didn't take it as you were you were, you were, you were testing yeah. the trailers or the, anything or the concept of the movies. I, I, yeah, I know you have you have very little invested in either one of those two franchises. So, yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think what else is com- Aquaman possible, but da- I'm still going to say doubtful. But unless we'll, unless we'll we- probably won't do a full episode on it. But we'll probably talk. Oh about yeah. It. Well, yeah. definitely, yeah. This, I just mean, yeah, I was talking about just ep- thing, things that we might do a whole episode on. And I, did, I don't know if there's that much coming out this year that probably – I don't know. I don't think so. There could be something that surprises us. There could be something maybe we both end up seeing that we both really, really like, and then it, ju- then it justifies it. So Yeah. All right. You want to tell people how they can reach out to us? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. Check out our Ringcyclopedia episodes. You still have yours to put out, don't you? Uh, I do. I actually uh, <laughs> re- I actually recently purchased a uh, – it was only $12, but I purchased like a little smartphone tripod thing so I could just do it a little bit better. So <laughs> I've got it recorded, but I'm going to do it again. Just be, I mean, it's really not that long, so I just need to – Sit down and redo it. So and that, was that going to be a Facebook one? Was yeah, that Facebook, Facebook exclusive? exclusive. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. So there'll be another Facebook exclusive Ring Cyclopedia episode coming out from Chad. I'm going to be doing one on the Underworld and Beyond Rings, the second wave of those, more like the second and third waves of those that have gotten, including some uh, 
freebie, uh, a cool freebie that I won when he, when uh, sometimes some of the prototypes get given away, and I want a cool White Lantern one I want to show. Uh, and quick aside, the white, the last episode I released with all those snakeskin rings, I actually got a communication back from uh, Superhero Rings, and they said they have actually, they had tried to do a white, a white snakeskin ring, but something to do with the amount of how translucent they had to make the band color, to, so you could see the snakeskin. Uh, pattern that it just wasn't really working. It was basically coming out to, based on their uh, their attempts, it was coming out almost like the ring had no color on it, at least from the band. So it does not look like we're gonna get a white snake skin ring, which kind of stinks. I really did want that one, but I figured I'd mention that because I because I because they they just got back to me. Uh, I think at the end of last week. Uh, ha- Twitter and Facebook. You can use hashtag geocast to locate us on either one of those. iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on. Please leave us a positive review and be like Dowd, 708 Lantern, and leave us a voicemail and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.